0: Hello, and thank you for joining us for Market Sense. I'm Jim Armstrong with Fidelity. It is America Saves Week, which you can think of as an an annual call to action for Americans to commit to saving successfully. So today we're going to talk about ways you could think about prioritizing saving and how paying down debt is actually a form of saving. So to get some insight about how we can think about saving our money most effectively, we've got Leanna Divini on the webcast today. She's a financial planner and a Massachusetts-based branch leader. And as always, we'll get the big picture markets overview today as well. And to do that, we will speak with Urien Timmer. He is Fidelity's director of Global Macro. And as he often will, he'll be sharing insights into the latest world news, national news market conditions, and what all of it means to us as investors. Thank you both for being with us today.
1: Thank you. I'm excited
2: to be here. Good to see you all.
0: Hey, Yurian, we'll start with you uh if that's okay. It is. It's Tuesday the 28th of February. The end of February already. And gosh, it's been it's been a rocky start to to the year. Strong January markets seem to have been settling if that's even the right word for it. I'm just curious. There's so many different narratives right now. What what do you think is is the main one or the main ones driving what's happening in the markets as we speak?
2: Yes, well, the term narrative is certainly a, a good one to use um, because every market cycle has a narrative, and in this case, it's actually a series of narratives, almost like chapters in the book, if you will. Right. So, uh, just to kind of go back a little bit, um, uh, about 13 months ago, the market, you know, formed the top. It was early January of 2022. It uh, it fell you know 28 percent from that January high of about 4,800 on the S and P to the October low of around 4,500. So far, that low has held, and we are up about you know let's say 12 13 percent from that low. And if I can sort of dissect that period uh, into chapters, the first chapter that decline was basically uh, the market uh, dealing with the Fed raising rates very substantially, right? So the Fed raised the cost of capital, um, and that essentially uh, took down the present value of future cash flows. That's just the way... the the math works. And that affects of course, all assets, not only stocks, but also bonds, crypto, like you name it. Everything got affected by that. Uh, But at the same time, the economy was fine. Earnings were growing, Uh, people are fully employed. And so the narrative for last year was really all about valuation. Rates going up, valuations coming down. They tend to be inversely related while the economy was fine. Then we had the low in October. Since that time, earnings have actually started to come down. So the earnings inflection that we've been talking about for so long is happening. Um, But at the same time, the market was able to kind of look through that, as the market often does, because the market's always discounting the future. Not, Not always correctly, but it does always discount the future. And so the market basically said, yeah, earnings are falling but we we know this already, and we can look past it because uh, the market felt that there was that promise of inflation coming down hard, allowing the Fed to pivot. That's uh, kind of the, the current uh, the current buzzword uh, from higher rates to lower rates, and the market historically shows that it can, it can look through an earnings decline as long as that promise is there for easier money, right, through a Fed pivot. And so from the October low until basically the end of January, when we saw that strong rally, and especially January, of course, was very, very strong, um, I think that was kind of the the, the narrative for the markets. Like, yeah, we're looking through the earnings weakness because there's easier liquidity conditions coming down the pike, um, that has changed now a little bit because with the with the January employment report, which was released in early February, um, we, we see that the economy actually remains really strong, which of course is good for for most people, but it's 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 a point where uh, sort of good news is now bad news, if you yeah. will, because yeah. it means that the Fed is going to stay higher for longer. So. The current narrative is that you know the economy is maybe not softening enough uh, or not as much as the Fed would like to see, while at the same time, the inflation data uh, are still generally heading in the right direction, but they're kind of turning a little bit stickier. And so this narrative of like, it's okay that earnings are declining because we see easier money ahead. That's being put to the test right now. And I think that's why February, uh, which will end today, has been more of a two way market, whereas January was a straight up market.
0: I want to linger a little bit, if we can, on, on inflation, which you were just starting to touch on there. You know, and I think it's a great segue into what is going to be talking about in a, in a couple of minutes, because inflation affects all aspects of our lives saving and spending. Um, But talk a little bit, if you could, about inflation maybe being, I think, stickier or more persistent than, or or were we too optimistic a few weeks or a couple of months ago, thinking that it was starting to come down and we would see just that slow, slow, steady decline?
2: Uh, I mean, that is the trillion dollar question right now is, you know, the the inflation peaked at 9% uh, last year, June. So the rate of change was 9% in the CPI. We're down to about five-ish, give Mm -hmm. or take, depending on which uh, inflation series you're you're looking at. Uh, The Fed wants it to go to two, right? Or maybe two and a half, maybe even three will be enough for the Fed to declare um, victory because it now uses sort of an an average inflation targeting uh, protocol. Um, And so the risk always was that Going from nine to five would be easy just because of the way base effects work in calculating a rate of change. And, you know, we saw that oil prices are coming down, which is a big chunk of inflation. And so the worry always was that the easy that that part was the, the easy part. But falling from five to two will be not impossible, but that it'll be harder because then you start dealing with entrenched inflation. And and of course, you know, um, we see this in in the wage on the wage front. Right. I mean, the unemployment rate is uh, is the lowest since 1969. I think it's about three and a half percent. There are stu- still two jobs available for every job opening, so the labor market is very strong, which of course is great for the people who are working or, or looking for work. Uh, but that is also the stickiest part of the inflation uh, story. And so, you know, so the 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 risk is not that inflation won't continue to come down, but that it will take longer to get from the current five percent all the way to the Fed target. Because remember it's not enough for inflation just to come down in the eyes of the fed it has to come all the way down to its target of around you know 2 to uh, you know let, let's say 2 to 3% and if that takes longer to happen then that means that the Fed will keep rates higher for longer, which is great if you're buying T-bills or have money in a money market fund account. But it also suggests a more restrictive liquidity environment, which again, feeds into the valuation of both bonds and stocks. So it, it really comes down to how quick from here, because the quicker inflation goes back to the Fed's target, the faster the Fed can pivot back to a more neutral rate.
0: Ah, thank you for that. Perfect. And that gives us a chance to pivot over to Liana, because this is a great example of, of, of Urien's macro view dovetailing perfectly with what you'll be talking about, Liana, which is how we make sense of what's happening at, at the macro level. So first, for, for a bit of background here, America Saves is a, is a nonprofit organization that helps bring attention to, to saving successfully. And Fidelity works with them every year during America Saves week. And a big emphasis for this year, for 2023, is this idea about paying down debt as a form of savings all by itself. And I know debt is no one's favorite topic to talk about Leanna, but how would you start to help us get our our heads around it?
1: Yeah, it's it's certainly not a fan favorite for a topic, (laughs) but it's a big component on how we help our clients financially plan. And when we can help tackle down debt or at least manage debt, it then allows us to save or invest for long-term goals. So a, a lot of times the conversations with investors or our clients, the concern is around how to prioritize balancing debt with the other financial goals that we have. If it's short-term financial goals, if it's long-term financial goals. So I'd say debt overall, it first starts with having an understanding of your full financial picture. So what are your expenses? You know, What's coming in? What's going out? What type of debt do you have? I always say that there's bad debt and then there's better debt. Uh, No debt was really good debt, (laughs) but but there's certain debt like a mortgage we're gonna treat very differently than debt such as high interest credit card debt. So essentially though, reducing your debt, bad debt or better debt. It, it allows you to not pay interest and some of the things that um, can creep up on us. So we'll we'll talk today just on things that you can do to pay off your debt or manage it or, or make those extra payments to then allow you to save more and invest more.
0: And a, a key part of that discussion, as you just mentioned, going back to what Urien was talking about, is interest rates. What, what, what does the interest rate on your student loan look like versus your, your credit card debt? And, and we know that nearly half of all Americans are carrying a credit card balance, meaning they, they don't because they're not able to probably pay off their full debt every month. And just for some people that can feel like an impossible burden to ever get in front of that level of debt. But as you mentioned, you, if you can prioritize putting some money aside for extra payments, how, how would you suggest go about starting that process?
1: So there's really two ways that you can go about managing your debt, Uh, prioritizing more or or paying it off in full be the big goal. So I'd say, you're right. uh, It's for those that are carrying one month to month, it can be hard to see how to get from having this every month to being completely debt-free. So it's, it's not possible for everyone right now to make more than their minimums. But if you can, if you can make those extra payments, there's really two strategies, the avalanche strategy and the snowball strategy. So starting with the avalanche, This one mathematically um, gives you the opportunity to save more on your interest payments over time. So particularly if you have loans that have a wide range of interest rates, or if you have multiple debts, or if you have high interest rate type of debt, um, this is putting all of your money first to those high interest rate debts, pay those off, and then you do the next one in line. So by the end, you're again putting money towards your whole debt, but you've now, you know, essentially this avalanche, you pay the heavy ones first. Mm -hmm. The snowball um, is more emotionally kind of gratifying because you get those small wins. So you start by listing your debts by balance size and then with the smallest at the top, actually, and the largest at the bottom. So the snowball method, again, you're paying off those smaller debts. You feel the like energy and success of paying down debt. And why I say there's the mathematical one and the emotional, there's not one that's necessarily right or wrong. It has to be you know, per- custom for you of what's going to work. I'd say where I've seen the snowball work is again, you're getting those wins and then you're, you're kind of bought in and you're into the system of managing and paying down debt. But mathematically the avalanche one is saying, let me get out of um, those interest rates. I, l- let me pay you less interest over the long run.
0: Got it. I want to talk a little bit about student loans as well next. I think the numbers are just staggering when you think about them. Some 45 million borrowers in the U.S. today owe something like a combined $1.7 trillion, with a T trillion dollars in educational loan debt. And I think it's important to remember, it's certainly former students, but it's also moms and dads and grandparents and other people who have taken on debt to support those students who also have student loan debt. It's not just, you know, people just starting out in the workforce right now.
1: No, it's not. I mean, I see it everywhere. You're right. Parents, grandparents, students, you know, people in their... 40s and 50s, like still taking on uh, paying off their student loan debt. So it, it's it's certainly prevalent. Um, I'd say overall that there, there's many options. Like any debt, it can be overwhelming on how to prioritize and change. So just a couple areas um, that that we would help would start with putting extra payments to to your loan, so you don't have to change a loan agreement, you don't have to refinance, but a way to pay down debt sooner is just putting those extra payments down. Um, Those that do have multiple student loans, it could be an opportunity to consolidate those loans. It's also an opportunity to look back at that avalanche method. So paying off the one with the higher interest rate um, first to help. Um, And then refinance would be another one that we do. So we're, tougher rate environment right now. Um, But if you've had loans for a long time and you haven't taken a look at refinancing, that's always an option for you to pay less interest on the loans that you have.
0: I used to just round up with my student loans, talk about an emotional victory rather than maybe a mathematical one, but I would just round up to the next hundred. And so I, I, in my head, I was always putting a little bit more on it. Didn't I mean, it made it end faster, but not dramatically. So
1: it's a great way to do it though. Absolutely.
0: Um, one last thing for you before we turn to to, to Yuri and as well, Leanna, I'd, lo- I'd love to get your sense um, about saving, right? We know that, that interest rates are probably not getting cut anytime soon. In fact, they're probably going to be higher than previously expected. Um, but talk a little bit, if you could, about the idea of consistently saving a little bit more over time, kind of the inverse of my slowly chipping away at that. How about slowly adding to a savings?
1: Yeah, so back to the main concern that I will hear is how do we prioritize saving for short term goals? How do we prioritize paying down debt, but also not neglecting longer term goals if it is, you know, college for loved ones, educational expenses, if it is retirement goals for you and your family? Um, so I'd say for those that have debt, Um, Or don't even have an emergency fund, it can be hard to think that I can even balance multiple goals. So I'd say if you're listening, you certainly can. It comes with, again, first understanding what your whole financial picture looks like, what's coming in, what's going out, and then getting a plan in place to be able to have multiple savings goals. So I'd say it certainly is possible. One of the first things that we want to do, aside from paying your minimum debt, uh, you don't want to not do that or have late payments, is you want to set up an emergency fund or that rainy day fund. We recommend certified financial planner three to six months of your expenses in a rainy day fund. But if that's too much, even just having a thousand dollar buffer or your full month's rent buffer is a great place to start.
0: Yeah, I love that. Small obtainable goal that you can get to and then feel confident that there's some cash on the sidelines you can deploy when an emergency happens. After you've done that though, what 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 comes next maybe?
1: So then you'd want to prioritize your longer term goals. So like retirement. So I always say you can take a loan for education. You can't really take a loan for wanting a retirement and a lifestyle you want in the future. So a, a next step after that rainy day fund would be taking a look at your workplace plan. So think if you have a 401k or a 403b, you want to put um, amount away to to that. That's pre-tax. And if your company matches, you want to at least try to hit that match. For those that don't have a 401k, 403b, or employer-sponsored plan, there are retirement accounts, tax advantage accounts, individual retirement accounts that you're able to contribute to. Um, So these are, again, ways that you can plan for the long term. A great aiming goal would be to save 15% of your income towards retirement. If that's a lofty goal, I certainly encourage you to at least increase once a year. You could do by 1% even annually, and, and you don't miss it. Uh, kind of out of sight, out of mind. And it's a great way to save and get that power of compounding on your side.
0: Great. Let's let's segue with that long-term mindset back over to Yurian for the last question, if we could. Um, Maybe I got irrationally exuberant in, in January when I saw the markets performing so well. And I, I tried to be more mindful of of what you had said late last year, Yurian, that your expectation for 23 was that there wouldn't be gigantic swings up or down, kind of a choppy, you know, bumping along for the duration of the year. Is that is that still what you're seeing?
2: Yes. Uh, and it's you know, it, it may be a very unsatisfying uh, <laughs> Forecast, But, you know, again, if we take a step back, you know, uh, 13 months ago, the S&P was at 4,800. That was the top. Um, three, four months ago in October, October 13th, S&P was around 3,500. Um, and right now we're at around 4,000. So we're more or less in the middle of the range between the high and the low. And, you know, I can see very easily um, that the lows in October could be the lows that we don't have to go any lower, even if earnings, you know, continue to start uh, to continue to fall as they're doing now. Um, but at the same time, I don't really see the narrative for a new bull market yet. You know, the Fed is still raising rates, and the the terminal point, the the the, the level to which the Fed is expected to raise rates keeps rising. It's now 5.3%. You know, it was four, seven, eights just maybe two months ago or even one month ago. And uh, and the market has been hoping that the Fed would get there, but then very quickly start cutting rates again back towards 3%. And I think what the last uh, inflation reports show, which kind of were a little bit stickier than I think uh, all of us would have hoped, is that maybe the Fed will kind of stay higher for longer um, uh, before it gets back to a more neutral policy. And so uh, it, it creates a tailwind. It's not an unsurmountable tailwind, but it just, it, it kind of pushes out the storyline that we would wanna see for anticipating that next bull market that would take us to new all-time highs. So I think 2023 is, is a year where we need to have patience doesn't mean there's nothing to do. There's always um, an opportunity to rebalance and you know you know who, who to see if you need to do that. <laughs> um, you know, bond yields are back up towards 4%. Yeah. Shorter term yields are in some cases above 5%. So there is opportunity. Uh, but, you know, I think, you know, the days of, 20% up markets, and certainly January being an up 7% market. Uh, I think those are the exceptions rather than the rule. And I think for this year into next, um, it's just uh, basically a, a time of limbo for the market while we wait for the puzzle pieces to fall to, to come together.
0: Excellent, excellent uh, context and perspective there. We always cram a lot into about 20 minutes, but today feels like we did an especially good job of that. So thank you both for, for being part of this great conversation. Um, for folks in the audience, just a reminder to you, if you've got questions about, of course, making or, or updating a financial plan, maybe staying on track with the one that y- you've had for a while, Fidelity Fidelity can help. Yeah, give us a call, go online, visit our website, download our app, and uh, check out what we have to offer on, on your mobile device. Tons of ways to continue to get in contact with us and to learn more about your plans. Again, huge thanks to Fidelity's Yuri and Timmer and Leanna Davini. Have a great week. We'll see you all back here next
3: Tuesday. Information presented herein is for discussion and illustrative purposes only, and is not a recommendation or an offer or solicitation to buy or sell any securities. Views expressed are, as of the date indicated, based on the information available at that time and may change based on market and other conditions. Unless otherwise noted, the opinions provided are those of the speakers and not necessarily those of Fidelity Investments or its affiliates. Fidelity does not assume any duty to update any of the information. This podcast is intended for U.S. persons only and is not a solicitation for any Fidelity product or service. This podcast is provided for your personal non-commercial use and is a copy Reddit work of FMR LLC. You may not reproduce this podcast in whole or in part in any form without the permission of FMR LLC. To the extent any investment information in this material is deemed to be a recommendation, it is not meant to be impartial investment advice or advice in a fiduciary capacity and is not intended to be used as a primary basis for you or your client's investment decisions. Fidelity and its representatives may have a conflict of interest in the products or services mentioned in this material because they have a financial interest in them and receive compensation directly or indirectly in connection with the management, distribution, or servicing of these products or services, including Fidelity funds, certain third-party funds and products, and certain investment services. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Past performance is no guarantee of future results you cannot invest directly in an index. Diversification and or asset allocation do not ensure a profit or protect against loss. Stock markets are volatile and can fluctuate significantly in response to company, industry, political, regulatory, market, or economic developments. Investing in stock involves risks, including the loss of principal. Foreign markets can be more volatile than U.S. markets due to increased risks of adverse issuer, political, market, or economic developments, all of which are magnified in emerging markets. These risks are particularly significant for investments that focus on a single country or region. In general, the bond market is volatile and fixed income securities carry interest rate risk. As interest rates rise, bond prices usually fall, and vice versa. This effect is usually more pronounced for longer-term securities. Fixed income securities also carry inflation risk, liquidity risk, call risk, and credit and default risk for both issuers and counterparties. Lower quality fixed income securities involve greater risk of default or price changes due to potential changes in the credit quality of the issuer. Foreign investments involve greater risks than U.S. investments and can decline significantly in response to adverse issuer, political, regulatory, market, and economic risks. Any fixed income securities sold or redeemed prior to maturity may be subject to loss. Fidelity Wealth Services provides non-discretionary financial planning and discretionary investment management through one or more portfolio advisory services accounts for a fee. Advisory services offered by Fidelity Personal and Workplace Advisors, LLC, FPWA, a registered investment advisor. Discretionary Portfolio of Management Services provided by Strategic Advisors, LLC, Strategic Advisors, a registered investment advisor. Brokerage services provided by Fidelity Brokerage Services, FBS, and Custodial and Related Services provided by National Financial Services, LLC, NFS. Each a member NYSC and SIPC. FPWA, FBS, and NFS are Fidelity investments companies. Fidelity does not provide legal or tax advice. The information here is general and educational in nature and should not be considered legal or tax advice. Tax laws and regulations are complex and subject to change, which can materially impact investment results. Fidelity cannot guarantee the information herein is accurate, complete, or timely. Fidelity makes no warranties with regard to such information or results obtained by its use and disclaims any liability arising out of your use of or any tax position taken in reliance on such information. Consult an attorney or tax professional. Personal and workplace investment products are provided by Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE, SIPC, 900 Salem Street, Smithfield, Rhode Island, 02917.